0: Recognising Jesus in new things, part three. How do you know if it's a genuine move of God? We're part three of a series now because coming up in the future and beginning even now, there's a worldwide revival, ingathering of souls, a great move of God, an outpouring of the Spirit, an awakening. All of these things are going to be happening, but at the same time, we know the Bible reveals that there's going to be lying signs and wonders and powerful stuff from Satan through his evil workers. And to instruct us, Jesus said, do not be deceived. We have to make sure we know how to avoid deception, how to pick the things that are genuinely from God and those that are not. And I believe that God has revealed here nine things from scripture that can help us understand and help us identify a genuine move of God. We've already looked at six of them and so today we're moving along with this now remember the bible says this in isaiah 43 18 to 19 do not remember the former things in other words this is not a repeat of what used to be there's an implication here that god is actually creating something new which has never been seen before he talks about signs and wonders if it's a wonder it makes us wonder is this really from god So we've got to understand, in this new thing, there is going to be moments of wondering, is this really from God? And that drives us back to the scripture. And I'm encouraging you today that it is possible to mistake a move of God. It's happened to Jesus' closest followers in the Bible. It's happened in every move of God that's happened ever since. And I'm encouraging you to make sure that you don't respond hastily, don't react, don't judge, But get back to the Bible, look at these things that I'm talking about, make sure you can see it in the Word of God, or there's something in there that brings you to peace, that you can move ahead knowing that you're part of something that's from God. Do not remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing, now it shall spring forth. So how do you know if it's a genuine move of God? We're up to part seven today be familiar with his footprints and fingerprints. In Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to 40, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this word, we're asking for your supernatural help to understand what you're saying to us, to be ready to recognise you in new things, in unfamiliar ministries and different ways of doing things. And we ask that you'll pour your spirit upon us, Lord God, in Jesus' name, especially your spirit of wisdom and revelation. Amen. Now, this is Jesus' own disciples. They've been walking with him for three years. They've seen him do all kinds of things. They'd heard his teaching. They took the Last Supper He'd given them the communion, you know, like you couldn't get a closer walk with Jesus. They didn't have to translate the language. It was in their own geography, their own history, their own contemporary times. It was in their own face. He was one of them in a lot of ways. But when he started another ministry that they weren't familiar with, his ministry as the resurrected Lord Jesus, they thought they were seeing a ghost. It's a bad mistake For a follower of Jesus. How did Jesus fix this? Let's read on. This is Luke 24 verses 36 to 40, starting at 38. Why are you frightened? He asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and feet. He showed them his hands and feet. He's not talking here to a girl like Mary, with whom it was about the relationship. These are young men, and for them it's about the action. His feet represent going, his hands represent the doing, plus his hands and feet had the nail scars in so that they could see this is the same guy that just got crucified. But they were familiar, you could say, with his fingerprints, because they'd seen him lay hands on the sick. They'd been there with him. Remember, he said, take my yoke upon you, learn of me. We can do that. We can have his yoke on us. We can be walking with him, get used to how he operates, the things that he does, the places he's likely to go, and be sure that we could know his hands and his feet. Amen. They were like tactile learners. They'd learned as apprentices they knew his coming and going and doing. They were familiar with his hands and feet. And I'm encouraging you to be familiar with his hands and feet. And also, he had in him the marks of the crucifixion. And this is what Paul says here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 17 from the Amplified Bible. From now on, let no one trouble me, by making it necessary for me to justify my authority as an apostle and the absolute truth of the gospel. For I bear in my body the branding marks of Jesus, the wounds, scars, and other outward evidences of persecutions. These testify to his ownership of me. Amen. Amen. I'm encouraging you to learn to recognize and how to see those marks and to see the actions and the doings of Jesus and his goings. Amen. Two parts of this. So Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. This is exactly what the Jesus life is like. It's got the cross in it, and somebody who carries that cross, bears that cross, and Paul said, I die daily, you know, I'm crucified with Christ, yet it's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. If somebody is carrying those marks, and you are carrying those marks, you will recognize it in them. Amen? You will know, ah, I've seen this, I know exactly what that is, this is the person that's yielded to Jesus. Because there's a lot of people out there that aren't yielded to Jesus in the same way. Let me illustrate. Back in 1985, we started with Tom Rawls at Harvest Christian Centre. We were brought in as the creative ministries directors and really saw great revival in that church. And I remember that there was some trouble. A young woman came to speak to us and she'd been having some trouble with people. And I said to her, Can you forgive them? And she burst into tears and said, yes. And she forgave them. On around about the same day, there was a young man. He'd been having trouble with people. And he came and I said the same thing to him. I said, can you forgive them? He said, no. And walked off. And I thought, in her, I saw the marks of the cross of Jesus. In him, I didn't see it. Amen. And I can remember one of my assistants Saw there was a mess in the church, and he said something like this, Why should I have to clean that up? And I thought, Oh, that's not a good sign. And looking back, I didn't see in him the marks of Jesus. And yet, sorry for this very graphic story, we went into another building one day when we were starting our outreach church in Sunshine near Melbourne, and we were using a hall that had been used the night before for various functions. And once we got there, and in the ladies' room, the basin was clogged up with vomit. And one of the ladies in the church, she said, I'll clean it. I didn't ask her to. She just volunteered, and she went in there. There was no implements to use. I don't know how she did it, but she got it cleaned up. And I'm thinking, that's the marks of Jesus. She was willing to go the extra mile, turn the other cheek, lay her life down, take up a cross, died herself. Maybe she would have been preferring to be outside, talking to people, having some fun, but she stayed in that room and cleaned it up when it wasn't her job. It wasn't really our job. She just did it really out of zeal for God's house and out of a love for Jesus. This is what this is talking about. If it's from Jesus, it will have the marks that identify him, the marks in his hands And it will also have the evidences of his fingerprints and footprints. We played at a hotel once and I remember going in there and by the time we got to play, they'd heard we were Christians. And the whole hotel had separated into two groups. All the non-Christians pulled their tables together. All the Christians sat over this side. And when we finished playing the first 45-minute bracket, the Christians called me over, I guess because of the anointing and they were asking me some questions but the non-Christians called Rosanna because she has more of that evangelistic anointing. And she sat at the table with them and they said to her, what's all this stuff about God? What's this whole thing about Jesus? And when she was just about to preach the gospel and explain it in a way she couldn't even think of how to do it. One of the guys on the table said, I can tell you and to his own friends in his own culture, in his own environment, he shared the gospel flawlessly with them You could have looked at him and thought he was a stranger, not a churchgoer, but he had enough of the Bible in him to know this and he shared it genuinely. That had the fingerprints and footprints of Jesus because Jesus was criticized for being the friend of tax collectors, publicans, as the Bible says, and sinners. And so that was Jesus operating through that young man in Rosanna's presence, bringing the gospel to all of his mates in the pub on a Saturday night, that's the fingerprints and the footprints of Jesus. By the way, we never did go back into a hotel, not because of them, but because of the young people that have followed us in there from the local youth group. Not until we were way past being a youth band, then we've been back there sometime since to reach out to those that know. Amen. Catherine Kuhlman's style was very unusual. And a lot of people wondered if she was from God and there was evidence of her treasure being in the clay pot with some of the things in her life. But there was unmistakably the fingerprints of Jesus, his hands and his feet going from place to place and seeing miracles. That was Jesus at work. Remember, eyes on Jesus, not on the clay pot. Eyes on Jesus, not on the donkey he's riding on. Amen. Amen. I hope we can all agree to that. Even those things from Clark Taylor that I saw way back in 1977 when I was young, I saw the miracles. I saw the move of God. I saw the actions of Jesus. Wow. If I had kept my eyes on the preacher, the donkey, I could have been greatly disillusioned, but I could never be disillusioned again when I saw what Jesus did in that meeting I was in. It was so supernatural. So miraculous. The lame were walking, the blind were seeing, the deaf were hearing, teeth were being filled up, the cripples of people that couldn't walk properly were getting healed, crutches were being dropped. It was miraculous. It was Jesus at work, and I ever am grateful to him that I saw that. Amen. So when these young disciples saw the resurrected Jesus in his new form, They thought he was a ghost. How will we know if it's Jesus or some other spirit or just a ghost or an apparition? Does it have his fingerprints and footprints? Are they the signs of the cross? Are they the signs of his ministry? Amen. Number eight today, how do we know if it's a genuine move of God? Number eight is, believe it or not, receive the new birth. Because when you receive the new birth from Jesus, Something changes on the inside. It's a miracle change done by God. Listen to what Jesus said. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, it's going to be blind to the whole thing unless you're born again. That's why so many non-believers will criticize what goes on. They can't see it. They just don't get it. Jesus said, most assuredly, unless one is born of water, and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god do not marvel that i said to you you must be born again so you have to be born again which if you're not there'll be an opportunity at the end of this message you have to be born again or you can't see the kingdom of god you have to be born again or you can't enter the kingdom of god when you're born again there's a change on the inside the holy spirit connects up with your spirit inside the Bible refers to this as being one spirit with the Lord. And this is what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You have this spirit of God inside you, revealing to you an inner witness of what's genuine and what isn't. Amen. If you're listening to someone speak and they're wrong, there will certainly be something inside that's going, on. <laughs> this is not right. I was listening to someone yesterday on the internet. He was talking away and I thought, this is interesting. Then he said the next word and I just turned it straight off because I knew that that wasn't from God. Amen. So this is one of the ways that you will know if it's a genuine move of God, if you're genuinely born again, plus all the other things I've mentioned, keeping your eyes on Jesus, living by faith, walking in the spirit, living in the spirit, Loving God, worshipping Him, fellowshiping Him, staying in the secret place, and just being a genuine Jesus person, staying in the Word of God. Amen. Number nine, and our final point in this series is, how do you know if it's a genuine move of God? It's a good one. Number nine, desire to do God's will. This one's a little bit obscure, but it's extremely important. Listen to what Jesus says in the following passage as he unfolds the way to know in certain circumstances. Because remember, Jesus was creating all of this controversy. He spent most of his time in the Galilee region and the region around about that area. And occasionally went down to Jerusalem. And this is one of his trips to Jerusalem. They were looking for him to stone him. He waited a few days and then when the Spirit nudged him, and went down. And then this is what the Jews said. And the Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know letters having never studied? Letters is there, it implies, how does he know all of this stuff? He didn't come to our Bible college. He didn't study at our seminary. We didn't teach it to him. How come he knows this stuff? Jesus answered them and said, and this possibly is the question that was really on their mind? My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. So Jesus is claiming now that what he's saying is directly from God and he didn't get it from them. Now, this is the important point. Verse 17 If anyone wills to do his will, he will know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God. Or whether i speak on my own authority there it is there you've got to will to do god's will it's about your heart willing to be willing to do god's will in other words you want what god wants for your life you're ready to submit to him to lay your life down turn the other cheek go the extra mile Give when he says to give, not hold back. Speak when he says to speak. Love all the time. Forgive when he says to forgive. Enter at the narrow gate. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Living the Jesus life, hungering and wanting his will, not wanting to find ways to avoid his will. If he says, baptize, you say I'm first in. If he says, lay your life down, you go ahead and do it. If he says, be at church, You'll be there first. That's the kind of person that he says here will know whether the strange doctrine is from God or whether the person speaking on their own authority. It's extremely important. You know, over my life, I've loved these two axioms that have helped me remember this. And I got this from a teacher when I was a brand new Christian. First one is this Pride leads to rebellion leads to deception, leads to depravity. I'll say it again in a minute. So a proud person is not someone desiring to do anybody else's will. They're desiring everyone to do their will, because remember, the devil is pride personified. They're not going to be submissive because that's a very humble thing to do. A proud person is not willing to do God's will. They're more likely trying to find ways around doing God's will. So the Bible says flee fornication. So they would rather study the Bible to find an excuse to be able to fornicate than to just simply obey it. So pride leads to rebellion, which is saying no to what God wants, which leads to deception. Because if you're doing rebellion, you're actually submitting to the spirit of rebellion. That's what people don't realize. They think they're doing their own thing, but they're not. They're submitting to the spirit of rebellion, which is the devil. So they yield to the devil's spirit of pride, start submitting to the devil, and that doesn't lead to revelation, it leads to deception. And that, when it builds up and continues and accumulates, leads to total depravity, which is where the world would be heading today if it's not for the revival. On the other hand, on the positive side of this coin, humility leads to submission leads to revelation, leads to maturity. See, this revelation part is about knowing the doctrine. Amen. It starts with humility, submitting to what God wants, leads to revelation, leads to maturity. Forsake not the assembling of yourself together. Yes, Lord, I'll be at church. Amen. Things like that. You've got to be humble, submit to God, will to do His will, do what he tells you to do and when you can't you don't justify your failure you pray and admit that you want his will but you failed or you didn't have the strength to do it and then you come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help you that grace will put you over and put you into a different dimension amen Jesus puts it this way in John chapter 14 verses 15 to 17 if you love me Keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he'll give you another comfort who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. In a different version, he's called the Spirit of Truth. So what is it? If you love me, obey me. Humble, submission. Then he gives you the Spirit of Truth, which leads you into all truth, revelation. And then you'll know the doctrine of... Whether it's of God, you'll know the person speaking up there, if they're right or not. You will know because you'll have an inner witness. If you're rebellious against God and you don't have the spirit of truth operating because you've grieved him, saddened him, don't want him in your life, then you won't be able to tell. You could be hoodwinked. You could be deceived. You can be drawn off the track, distracted and led astray. I'm encouraging you today. Stay humble. Desire God's will. What is God's will? Well, the Bible's full of instructions. It's full of things about God's will. And I know that we think we're in the New Testament, we're free, and we are. But the New Testament is also full of directives. Even in Paul's writing, it's full of directives. But at very least, this scripture reveals the will of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 22 include this section. Rejoice always. That's the will of God. Do you desire to do that? Or you prefer to be in a grumpy, self-righteous, self-pity mood? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. See, if you try to excuse yourself from obeying these things... You will be quenching the spirit and you need him, the spirit of truth, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, to guide you to pick up what's false and what's true. Do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. See, that's another New Testament instruction. Don't do any form of evil. Abstain from it. So what's our application in this? Do you desire to do God's will sincerely and wholeheartedly? If so, you'll know concerning the doctrine whether the person speaking is just doing it from their own authority or if it's really from God. So, we're going to conclude the series right here. How do you know if it's a genuine move of God? Let's look at the things we've learned in this series, and you can go back through it, pick up the scriptures, and make sure that you know this stuff so that you don't make the mistakes that we've seen by very close followers of Jesus in the word of God, and also have been made by some very genuine people throughout history and some others. Number one, look for supernatural support. That's a financial question in a lot of ways, and it's an emotional thing as well. Number two, look and listen for supernatural fruit, the fruit of Jesus' ministry. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached. Number three, look for the element of resurrection in suffering. Of course, there's always going to be suffering. The cross is part of the Jesus ministry. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. There's always going to be an element of resurrection in suffering that's in the kingdom, amen. Number four, watch for zeal for God's house or a passionate love for the church. Number five, watch for heart-burning revelation from scripture. This is crucially important. If you receive revelation in your heart from someone's ministry, then you know that Jesus is using them. Number six, develop intimate relationship with him. Be familiar with his footprints and his fingerprints is number seven. Number eight, receive the new birth because that's the only way you can have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth who guides you into all truth, who teaches you and shows you what's not of God and what is. And number nine, there's nine things desire to do God's will. Make sure you're humble, submitted then the revelation can flow. Remember, I'm going to say those sayings again. Pride leads to rebellion, leads to deception, leads to depravity. Humility leads to submission, leads to revelation, leads to maturity. And importantly, be ready for the moving of God as it unfolds. Be prepared, be available to lead in it and enjoy Him. You know, it's a very good idea, like I've said, when you know fire's coming, backburn now, get everything that can burn out of your life, so that when the fire of God's Holy Spirit is moving, and the revival is peaking, you can be a leader, and not someone who's on the carpet, trying to get their life sorted out. Amen? Now, you might be on the carpet for other reasons, but at least, do your best to have your life sorted out first, be available and be very astute, and make sure you do heed Jesus when he said, do not be deceived. There's going to be false prophets, false teachers, false apostles, and false Christs. There's going to be lying signs and wonders. Do not be deceived. Amen? God bless you. Thanks a lot for listening. Before we finish, I'm going to offer the opportunity to be born again, because that new birth is prerequisite on knowing how to deal with what's coming. The new birth is easy to receive. You invite Jesus in because it says, as many as received him, to them he gave the authority or the power or the privilege to be the sons of God. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he said, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I can lead you in a prayer right now that can take you through these points so that you can receive Jesus as your Saviour, receive His new birth, believe that He's your Lord and start following Him right now. Say this prayer after me and say it to God and mean it with your whole heart. Jesus, say that Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you paid for my sin. I turned from my old life. I repent from all of my sin and I believe you rose from the dead proving that I'm forgiven. I receive you as my Saviour. I confess you are my Lord. I receive your new birth right now and by your grace I will follow you from this point forward. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And I ask for all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You relax, Father. I pray for those that prayed that prayer sincerely today. And I ask that you would move in their heart right now, that they could supernaturally experience your new birth, And I pray now today, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would bring on us all your supernatural spirit and wisdom and revelation and the ability through these principles to be able to be part of the genuine move of God to recognize, resist and avoid everything fake and false or that's even off color. And we will stay right in the center of your plan and be involved in bringing this huge, end time harvest in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in the next message.